Um, so before I start, I'd like to invite Ryan up, um, or Dad. Uh, <laughs> we'll keep it to Ryan for now. Uh, um, just reading Acts chapter 14 to 18, and then uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 14 to 18, and then 25 to 34. You watch your fellow. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Acts 16, verses 14, and it's in uh, page 112 of the Church Bibles. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her house. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. Once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept us up for many days and finally Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. And they were jumping to verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors fell open and everybody's chains, chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. So, welcome everybody. My name is Dave Barry. I'm the pastor. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Dave. Um, no, my name's Judah. Funny story, actually. I'll just say this quickly, Dave, um, not to embarrass you too much, but um, I think when Dave asked me to speak today, I was like, yeah, I'd love to, um, but notice how he didn't ask me when I had a mustache. <laughs> he, he waited six months until it obviously fallen off. Um, but yeah, let, let's, let's leave Dave alone for now. Um, let's get back to what we're speaking about. <clears throat> so if everyone um, grabbed their phone or a Bible, um, there's quite a lot of relay between uh, passage and talking. So if you could, it'd be helpful. Um, so um, I'll give you a wee bit of context to this passage. I think it's quite important just to look at context before we start. So um, 
After Paul's conversion to Damascus, if you're interested, read Acts, 9, Acts chapter 9. It's a great read. Um, he spent a lot of time traveling and spreading uh, the news and the gospel. He experienced miracles, rejection, conversions, and even threat of life. But one thing stood. God was with Paul, and Paul trusted God. Luke documents Paul and companions following God's lead through Macedonia and other areas um, before eventually traveling to Philippi, um, where this passage is based. <clears throat> so we see um, in this passage, we see three uh, conversions. We see Lydia, we see the slave girl, and we see the jailer. Um, they're very different, these three, um, and I've picked this out on purpose because I think that it's nice to get a broad range because we know that um, God works through everyone. You know, you're not, never too far away from God. Um, so, you know, like racially, culturally, psychologically, they were very different and in other ways too. Nothing is out of God's hands. And the attitude of I'm too sinful and too far away from God is wrong and damaging to us. We're never too far away from God. So let's look briefly um, at what we just read. So verse 14. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth um, from the city of Thyadira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So Lydia, what a character. So we see she's from Thyadira, which is approximately 240 miles outside Philippi. So again, we see Paul and he's traveling. She was likely a wealthy woman as she was a dealer in purple cloth, which was an expensive dye in that time, often worn by royalty. And we see in verse 15 that she invited them to her house. I find that very powerful. She's very new to Paul, and yet she invites him. She feels comfortable to invite her, invite Paul and Silas to their house. She believed in the God of Israel, but verse 14, the Lord opened her heart to know the true Savior. And pay attention to the words, the Lord opened her heart. Again, we'll move on to verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great, number, a great amount of money for her owners by fortune telling. So she could predict the future, a gift that we might want, but we don't have, but it is here. She could, it's, the, it's called the python spirit. She was very poor, not even owning herself. Her worth was in the evil spirit, which was controlling her, but it wasn't part of her, it wasn't her. After shouting and annoying Paul for many days, verse 18, Paul calls in the name of Jesus for the spirit to come out. Again, emphasis on in the name of Jesus. 
After this um, event, Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. <clears throat> they were accused of being unlawful uh, to Roman customs and uh, were stripping and beaten and thrown into prison. So we see this, which takes us to the jailer in verse 25. I'm going to read from verse 27 uh, to 28 in here. So the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Now the jailer is somewhere in between Lydia and the slave girl. We see in today's terms, he'd probably be described as middle class. He wasn't terribly rich, but he wasn't terribly poor. He attempted suicide. He was connected to his job and he cared so much for it. When he thought everyone escaped, he was stopped by Paul, or rather God. He was shown God's grace. As a result of seeing this, he believed in God and saved himself and his whole household. Isn't that powerful? His whole household. <clears throat> so I've got um, three points to cover, and then we're going to hand over uh, to four um, wonderful members of our uh, church family um, to speak more on it. So we have three, three points. is the conversion of our heart, the conversion into a family, and we've got the author of conversion. Conversion of our heart. Why is conversion so wonderful? I think it's because it marks the conscious beginning, starting afresh. Paul tells us we are dead in our sins in Ephesians 2 verse 5, but made alive in Christ. Though seeing a conversion experience is so wonderful, it's not the only step to being saved. It takes time to transition from our, our normal self and leave, um, and leave that behind and walk into a God-driven life. We must constantly forsake and strive to forsake our previous self and fix our gaze on God. We all have problems and things that we're battling at the moment. But how powerful is it to know that we have a God who's willing to carry our burdens and rest our burdens on, that we can, we can put aside them and we can focus on enjoying and living for God and praising. We heard today that um, Deborah, or mum, she was saying about praising. How great is it that we can just stand here and praise our God, the God that created us? It was by grace that these people have been saved, through faith. Lydia, the slave girl and the jailer, it was by grace that we have been saved or are being saved in the process. Our hearts have been changed for the better. Now let's look into conversion to a family. In both Lydia and the jailer's conversion, we read that Paul and Silas were invited into their house. I think that's a nice touch, a nice detail. Something I admire about this church is 
As Dave even said when he was welcoming, that everyone here is welcome. Whether you've been here for however many years or it's your first time, you're welcome in this church. And again, thank you for, the, for Dave and the welcome team for that. Put your hands up if you feel welcome today. I certainly do. Yep, that's good. Saw more than one. That was, when I was doing my prep, I was hoping I wasn't the only one there, so that is good. It makes it take some time for us to remember your name, but we will get there in the end. promise you that much. What I'm trying to say is the church is a family. We look out for one, one another. Pick each other up if they're feeling down. Pray for them. We build each other up in love. If someone wanders from their faith, we don't just let them go. We, we build them up. We pick them up off their feet, off from where they are, and lift them up in Jesus' name. So, I'm going to get you guys to do an exercise. So, if everyone could just stand up for me, please. Don't worry, we're not doing like hide and seek or anything. We're just, we're staying where we are. So I would like everyone to hold hands with the person beside us. That is, that's a lovely sight. I'll get, I'll get a wee picture here, wee panorama here. I'm just going to say a few words. So we are united together in Christ. How powerful is that? Wow. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus died and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus took our cross so that we could be called sons and daughters of Christ. We have been shown grace and mercy, love and affection. God wants each and every one of us to know him. No matter how talented or not talented you think you are, you're talented in front of the God of all things, the one that matters. We have an audience of one. Whatever you're battling right now, know that God is only one prayer away. Take a moment in silence just to invite God into our hearts today. Lord, we invite you into our hearts today. No matter how low or how high we are feeling, Lord, we invite you here today. You've shown us love. You've shown us grace, Father. And we can never repay that. But we celebrate knowing that we are members together in Christ Thank you for your love, Father. And it will never grow old. You never change. You're a solid rock, Father. I pray this in your name. Amen. Right, you can let go of each other's hands. Or you can, you can keep holding hands if you want. Um, it's up to you. <clears throat> Let's look at our final point. The author of conversion. So if we, we gaze back at the passage, 
Um, two seconds here. Look at the end of verse 14 with me. <clears throat> the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. That's the end of 14. Now let's look at the end of verse 18. Let me find it myself. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. At that moment. The end of verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Now, what is the commonality between these three things? And it's not just that they appear at the end of every verse. They all mention Jesus or God. Paul didn't work through his own power, but the power given to him through Jesus. And we should work like that. Paul himself was converted by a miracle. If you're interested, again, read Acts 19. We praise and worship Jesus because he is the centerpiece, the centerfold. Everything good moves through him. When we sing our last song, when we get to it, we should be excited that we get the opportunity to praise God, the God who created us and everything we are living through. I'm going to finish by saying this. Everybody has a different story, a different journey, a unique story. The three people in this passage, Lydia, the slave girl, and the jailer, are all very different. Again, it doesn't matter who you are and where you come from. Jesus loves you. Your conversion matters and your testimony matters. Jesus matters. Just turn around and tell the person beside you that Jesus loves them. Before I invite our, our guests or church family up to speak, let's just bow our heads in prayer. <clears throat> Father, I, I thank you for your words. Father, I thank you of how everything's just laid out in front of us, Lord, and we just need to have faith and believe. I thank you for everyone's testimonies and conversion stories, Father. I thank you how they're all unique and they tell a different story and they can impact someone in the way. So, Father, I just pray that you use our testimonies to connect with new people or maintain faith. I pray that the people that speak, that they speak through their own experience and through love and what they have, what's happened to them and they tell the truth of what's happened. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'd first like to invite up Lachlan. Um, there he comes. Um, Lachlan's going to tell a wee bit about his experience around that. I think that was that one. Is that one? If you're here last week, you know I don't really have a very good track record with these things, so uh, no, keep it in the stand there. Okay. Hey, there we are. Um, 
So, me and just a few other folks that will be up next, we are invited up just to provide a wee bit of building upon the theme of conversion. So I'd just like to share a wee bit of my testimony, um, just to build on what Judah's been saying. It goes without saying that God changes people many times in miraculous ways, in dramatic ways. I was changed very dramatically. Even just a few years previously, I was not a nice person. I really was not. I'm a relatively new Christian, only been a Christian for maybe two or three years or so. Before that, I was an insulter. I was a scoffer. I mocked and ridiculed every single Christian I came upon. They got no respite from the horrible things I said to them. I wasn't, however, content with just letting my hateful words be empty. So I wanted to actually learn a bit about what Christians actually believed, just so I could insult them even more accurately, so I could really stick the knife in and twist, so to speak. Uh, you know, it's, it's true as well. So I began to read the Bible, not with honest eyes, not with sincere eyes, but instead with a hostile mind, a closed mind. Yet as God doing what he does, he opens my mind, he pried open, he pried open my eyes, and he made my ears hear. And I saw in those pages, through months of reading, I saw truth. Truth that I could never have even fathomed before. I found compassion and forgiveness in those pages. Months later, I, through reading, I eventually became convinced and convicted that Christ is the Savior. God took out this hostility in my heart. He took out he took out my lying tongue. He took out all the hate I had harbored for Christians, for my brothers and sisters now. And instead, he replaced, he engrafted a faith that is as solid as the stone that has built this church. I suppose in certain cases, I could draw parallels between me and the jailer in certain ways. Perhaps his persecution of Christians was more... Um, extreme, I never got to the point where I was putting Christians in chains. But he went from a persecutor, putting Christians in chains, to then kneeling before them, frightened, to then hearing the gospel, to then being saved. And unlike me, which took a process of a few months, that was all in a process of a few hours. It's crazy. It really is. How dramatically God has changed that man. How dramatically he changed me. How dramatically I'm sure he's changed some of the people in this very room as well. And that's amazing. How great a God we have.
Thank you, Lachlan. Wasn't that just amazing, guys? Um, yeah, we see different conversions, and every time Lachlan's tear comes to my honestly, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, we're going to invite uh, Laura up for our next, um, our next testimony. Thank you. Hello, I came from a proudly arrogant atheist family and uh, it, my journey to faith was quite long. There were sort of four parts to it. The first part was at school when I learned about the day of Pentecost and I found out that the church on Pentecost received power and the Holy Spirit and power. And I was uh, sort of amazed. I, I had no idea the church had power and that stuck in my head. Um, then later on I uh, was staying the night with uh, the, grand, uh, the grandmother of a friend of mine and uh, I stayed with her regularly and um, I, I don't remember what I said but I, had, I swore with the name of Jesus Christ and uh, she, she was a great encourager but she stopped me there and she said Laura in every room of the, the house I have Shakespeare and I have a Bible um, I allow many things but I don't allow people using the name of Jesus Christ like that and I was sort of gobsmacked, um, and that stuck in my head. Then many years later, um, a priest was telling me about Jesus Christ, about the great works that he did, and um, what a good man he was, and how mankind killed him, destroyed him, we destroyed him, and I burst into tears. And I, I walked away thinking, I knew that. I knew that mankind was wicked, and I knew that there are and have been many great men, and the many great men, the good men, are often defeated by evil. And so I left. And then it was later on in life um, that I learned again about Jesus Christ, and I learned about the good things he did, the great things he did, and I learned about the sacrifice that he paid, and um, that God raised him from the dead, and I was gobsmacked because that I understood. I understood that, you know, man was evil and that death was a consequence, I got that. But I hadn't understood that Jesus Christ, who hadn't sinned, was the sacrifice. And that because he hadn't sinned, God had raised him from the dead. And, you know, fireworks went off in my brain. It, it was great. Um, so somewhere along the line, I then got saved. And um, the book of Acts is about our life and our walk with the Holy Spirit. So when I got saved, I received that Holy Spirit. And then it was a walk with me and the Lord Jesus Christ calling me. And if you read Acts 16, the first part, there are parts where it says the Spirit warned and the Spirit called. And that's our life and that is the book of Acts. Um, shortly after that, I, well, the year after, you know, that following year, I decided I needed to grow in my faith. So I went with two other believers to a, a city and we set up a little fellowship in our home. And in that year, um, I don't know, six or seven people got, came to faith. The following year, I was supposed to go to university and uh, the Spirit warned me against it, but I went anyway. Um, and not that God is anti-university, he's not, but that was his, he said to me, hold it, don't go yet. But I went and after a few months I was spiritually very lonely, so I went for a walk, prayed to God, said, you know, bring me two people that I can fellowship with, that's all I need. 
I walked back to where I was staying, got in the lift, and two people followed me into the lift, and I thought, I had 30 seconds ago asked God for two people, and there are two people, what am I going to do? So I spoke the word to them, and they became two great believers who really enriched my life while I was at university. Um, so God calls us and God uh, warns us, uh, but the great key is to learn how to listen to that spirit of God that's in you and hear the voice of Jesus Christ. And I feel that the most, one of the most key things for me is finding a quiet place where I can nurture the spirit of God in me, hearing his word, reading his word, listening. Um, and so um, when I was at university, uh, we did fellowship a couple of times a week and uh, the spirit of God warned me, uh, well told me to not do fellowship on that particular day. So I didn't, and so on that particular day when we weren't doing fellowship, I was studying, reading, doing whatever I was doing, and there was a commotion outside the door, and um, I noticed that there was fire coming up under the door. So I got up, put it out, it wasn't a big deal, opened the door, that whoever had done it had scarfed off. And I thought about that a lot, because if there'd been fellowship, what do you think people would have heard or remembered had we done fellowship, the word that had been shared, or the fact that somebody who was Sorry, uh, keep, keep talking. <laughs> somebody who was um, trying to disrupt, they would have remembered the fire and not the word, and God didn't want that, so we didn't do that. So, uh, you know, I was about 17 when I came to faith, so it's you know my 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 book of Acts is a bit longer than that. Uh, but um, three things I've noticed that when I listen to the Spirit of God, first of all, I am built up. Secondly, the church is edified and built up. And thirdly, people get saved. Um, that, that's sort of what happens. And uh, God is the master communicator. The Holy Spirit in you is everything you need to hear his voice. And uh, I have heard his voice when I've been out and about walking. I've heard his voice uh, on the toilet, in bed, uh, at work, at play, you know, he is everywhere. We just need to learn to listen. Um, I've heard it through uh, directly, I've heard it through people, I've heard it through reading the Bible. These are the key things. But the most important thing is when we have the opportunity and we ask God to bring people to you, you uh, he will bring people, but we have to speak. I had to speak to those two people in the, in the lift, not wonder where, who, who God was going to bring me. I had to pre speak then. And what do I speak about? Well, it's not about the cozy church or the fantastic fellowships or the dynamic church, but it is about Jesus Christ and his price that he paid for our sin and the fact that once he had paid that price, God said, yeah, that, that sacrifice is enough. I will raise him from the dead. So sometimes it's awkward, sometimes it's easy, but whenever I can, I try and bring the conversation back to Jesus Christ. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's so true. It's just it's all about Jesus. And um, we're going to invite Connor uh, up to say a few words as well. Um, yeah, Connor, thank you. Hello. Uh, some of you may not know me, um, but my name is Connor. I live in Aberfeldy, um, and I work in Kenmore. And I'm just going to share a little bit of my testimony. Um, so I grew up in a, a loving Christian family. Uh, I was going to church every week. Um, 
and I was surrounded by a lot of good youth in our church at the time. Um, but a large part of my journey was going to Christian youth camps. Um, so from the age of 10, I was going along to Abernethy. Um, and one summer, um, there was an opportunity at the end of a uh, service to uh, respond to what was being talked about. Um, and I made a commitment of faith. Um, at this time, I, I continued um, going along to these camps until I was about 16. Um, each year, just developing in a little bit more um, of my faith, um, knowing Jesus more. Um, and uh, when I finished school, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. So I decided to go back to these camps uh, and do a gap year uh, in the maintenance team at Nephi Bridge. Um, that was a great year for me um, to develop my faith um, among um, lots of great people um, in a really good Christian environment. Um, and from there, it allowed me to work out what I wanted to do next. And then from there, I uh, went to Aberdeen. I studied for four years. Um, I got involved in a good church in the Christian Union there um, and was surrounded by a lot of great people. Um, but when I, when, I started, when, I, when I graduated, I found myself in a bit of a weird position. Um, my, ch uh, my plans changed quite dramatic dramatically, um, and I found myself a bit lost and low. Um, but it was in this time that I, I found myself growing closer and closer to God, um, having to rely, rely on Him. Um, so I just wanted to share a short passage that popped into my head when I was um, preparing for this, which is from James uh, 1, 2 to 4, um, on trials and temptations. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its works so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And anything you, and if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all who, all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Um, so having gone through my own trials and tribulations in this time, I found myself working locally in Aberfeldy um, laboring on a building site at Timoth Castle. Um, and, and out of nowhere, a job opportunity um, arose um, in the finance team there, um, which is related to what I studied at university. Um, and I've now been working in this role for um, just over a year. Um, I really enjoy it. I love it here. I never thought I would. Um, I thought I had plans to be elsewhere. Um, but God's definitely opened doors for me. Um, and it's not something I've expected, but he's definitely directed me in this direction, um, which is great. Um, yeah, so I've recently done a baptism course with Dave, um, so hopefully this year I'll get baptized. But that's where I'm at with my patience now, so thank you. Thank you so much, Connor. I'd like to finish by inviting Colin up, um, just to say a few words as well. Um, and then after that, we'll go into our final song. So thank you. Thanks, Judah. Isn't it wonderful to have such a lovely group of young people in our church who are prepared to come up and stand? And um, from where I stand, I can even include you in that, Laura, as well. So um, it's just so encouraging. We've got so much to, to thank God for. <clears throat> what I wanted to do today is share something of my conversion experience, which wasn't yesterday, uh, and because it was so long ago, also go on to talk just about a couple of things which, where God has been working um, to indicate that, you know, it's not just, conversion is not a final event, but in fact, it's just the start of a walk. So, if you'll bear with me, I want to just state by saying that our God is a faithful God. Our Heavenly Father is a, heaven, a faithful Heavenly Father. And I trust that this short testimony 
will illustrate why I believe this and why it's so important to me. We've been hearing about two wonderful conversion experiences, one about Lydia and her household, the first people who were converted as the gospel spread into Europe. The second, the remarkable conversion of the Philippian jailer and his whole family. I've been asked to share briefly about my own conversion experience. It was while at university in Dundee that I met a group of Christians at the Christian Union. There was something about their lives which was different and which I, was, which I admired and was drawn to. It took several months to submit um, to what I believed God was God's call. Then one night as I lay on my bed, I felt another presence in the room and I could no longer resist the call of God. I asked Jesus to forgive me all my sins, come into my life, and help me to follow him. At that moment, I was aware of the strangest feeling. It's, it's as if I was being lifted up out of my bed into midair. Now I know that that was my first experience of the Holy Spirit. I still have a copy of the note which I wrote on the 7th of April, 1969. It reads, I have accepted my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and have asked him to take over my life from now until death. That was 54 years ago. Now I want to share two examples of how that decision has changed my life and why I'm so grateful for the way it has impacted my family. I was 19 at the time, and having attended Rennex boarding school, I was keen to meet and go out with girls, and there were some beauties in the Christian Union. However, one of the things I believed as a new Christian was that the Lord had a plan for my life and that I had to wait on his time, which wasn't easy for someone from a boys' school who rarely had the opportunity to meet with girls. I kept receiving the same message that it was important to find the right person, the person God had prepared for me. Four years later, I was introduced to Terry. One day, while we were standing in the queue at the cinema, uh, a Glasgow tramp approached us, looked at Terry, then to me, and said to me, as only a Glasgow tramp could, you've got a right one there. <laughs> it was like a bolt from the blue. I do believe that the Lord works in many and mysterious ways. And at that time, I took that to be a real confirmation. <laughs> That, 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 that my self-sacrifice and long wait for the right partner was going to be recognized and rewarded. After nearly 50 years of marriage, I can safely say that has been the case. What a reward, what a blessing. He has given me Terry, my wonderful soulmate and the best possible wife for whom I am and will be eternally grateful. We, now we know and have our combined lifelong experience of the biblical truth about marriage found in Genesis at the end of chapter two. A man will unite with his wife and they will become one flesh. I can't emphasize enough how important that that belief is for Christian marriage and for that matter for marriage in general. It's such a reassurance and something to remember and hold on to when times are difficult. Difficult times do occur but getting through them together strengthens the bond of marriage. The other incredible blessing I want to touch on is a family. 
I've always believed that our most important mission is our family. The Lord has honored that. There are many examples in the Bible, even as we've seen from the reading in Acts today, God's love extends not just to individuals, but to families as well. It gives Terry and I so much pleasure and blessing that our children, their spouses, and all three of our grandchildren are all believers. We believe this is no coincidence. We have prayed that would be the case, and even, even now, as we do for their parents, we pray that God will be preparing the grandchildren for their future spouses and their future spouses for them. My hope is that sharing this, that it will be helpful for the young single folk we are so delighted to have as part of our, our congregation, and also for those who have already embarked on marriage and family. May God bless you. May God bless you all. As I stated at the beginning, our God is a faithful God. Our Heavenly Father is a faithful Heavenly Father. In our family life together, Terry and I have so much for which to be grateful. What a God. What a Savior. Amen. Thank you, Colin and Terry, for enduring some parts of that. Um, we... That is the end of our testimonies. Um, just a round of applause for all of those. They were great. Thank you.